and Health podcast, a plant-dominant podcast and resource for those looking to expand and elevate their health. Every Thursday, you can expect provocative and engaging topics, entertaining interviews, and some of the biggest names in health and wellness. Be prepared for tangible tips and takeaways, and to fully understand what it means to live an optimized and energized life. Historically, at any rolling 10-year period, it's almost a guarantee that you make money. This episode of Hotter Than Health is brought to you by Inside Tracker. Inside Tracker is the ultra personalized performance system that analyzes data from your blood, DNA, lifestyle, and fitness tracker to help you optimize your body and reach your health and wellness goals. So, last week, I finally had a phlebotomist come out here and take my blood. It took all of five minutes. She was so kind and it was such an easy process. And I figured, oh, it's going to take maybe a week, two weeks. And I'm telling you, Three days later, I got an email from Inside Tracker and I had no idea that there were so many things I needed to be working on. Overall, I got to see my metabolic age and it told me, not to toot my own horn, but it did tell me that my inner age, but metabolically, and nutritionally from the inside out, it said that I was around 25 years old, which I thought was pretty cool. So, you know, Benjamin buttoning this whole thing based on a healthy lifestyle. But I did find out that surprisingly, I do need to work on my LDL cholesterol. So it actually recommended a couple of different things. It recommended a few different food choices, a few different options for me to do and implement into my lifestyle because I'm actually, in, instead of it being a level zero to 88, I'm at a level 90. So I'm a little above average and it says that I definitely need to do work on this. It also told me and recommended that I improve my iron group for my oxygen transfer and blood function. This was really, really important for me. It also talked about my testosterone levels, DHEAs, and then it told me that my sugar and my glucose and inflammation was low and normal. White blood cells were good. I am just so blown away by this whole process. So let me tell you, it is the easiest thing ever to check out Inside Tracker. I am absolutely obsessed with this product. So for a limited time, Inside Tracker is actually going to be giving any Hotter Than Health listener 25% off of the entire Inside Tracker store. Just go to insidetracker.com slash hotter than health. Again, insidetracker.com, that's one word, slash hotter than health. And you can get 25% off of the entire Inside Tracker store. I did the Inside Tracker blood testing as well as the DNA to get a full rundown of what was going on in my body. I can't tell you how interesting this is to get a full look at what is going on with my blood, with my DNA, how I can be optimizing and what are things that I needed to work on. We have no history of heart issues in my family. So to see that my LDL cholesterol levels were a little bit higher really spoke to me. So I'm absolutely going to be working on these things over the next couple of months before I retest again. So if you are wanting to really check out your individual progress and your insides, so that you can truly optimize from the inside out. Make sure for a limited time you are checking out insidetracker.com slash hotter than health for 25% off. Schedule your phlebotomist. They will come out. It is the easiest process. I am shocked. I am so impressed. Again, that's insidetracker.com slash hotter than health so you can see what's happening from the inside out. Thank you so much for sponsoring today's podcast. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Hotter Than Health. This is one that... I think we all need. It's it's like a multivitamin. Like you can kind of tell when you take it, not too much, but you can definitely tell when you don't take it. And that's I think the that's the vibe that we're getting with finance. Um, I recently did a poll on Instagram, and some people mentioned that they were confident talking about money, but about ninety percent of people said that they were in debt. So not only are we talking about it, but uh, a good portion of us aren't really doing anything about it. <laughs> That's why I'm so excited to have this conversation with Dan Callahan. Dan Callahan is a friend of mine, but he has recently absolutely just taken the finance world by storm. He has been on some of the bigger podcasts in the finance area, and I'm so excited to have him on here because he really breaks it down for us into digestible tips, no pun intended. We talk all about uh, we talk about student debt. We talk about how to prevent it. We talk talk about traveling, we talk about saving, mortgages, we talk about taxes and 
NFTs and crypto and what makes sense. How can we make our savings account work for us? If we only have $100, what can we do with it? If we have $1,000, what can we do with it to make sure that we actually have a retirement account or an IRA or what the hell are those things? And I, I really appreciate the conversation that we had because he he broke it down in a simple way and he addressed questions that I think some of us might be um, uncomfortable talking about, or maybe we were raised in an environment where money just wasn't really a conversation. And so it, it, it doesn't present itself often maybe, or if it does, maybe it's in a way that we aren't familiar with. This is a, just a way to take down the third wall, let us see what we can be doing to build wealth in our 20s, in our 30s, in our 40s, whenever, wherever you're starting. That's that's the important thing is that it's never too late and it's never too early, that's for sure. Dan Callahan is a certified financial advisor. He recently started his own company in Charleston and if you want to follow him on Instagram for more information, he has been doing more rants and chats. He he talks all about uh, investing platforms, things like that, quick tips and tricks, but follow him at dancallahan32. That's his Instagram. Again, he's a friend of mine. He is a father. He is a fiance to one of my close friends and truly just a good person all around to, to talk of to this subject about. So you all will absolutely love this episode. If you do, make sure you write us a review on iTunes and use the words finance, use the word health, use the word fitness. You know, all the SEO is so, so helpful. If you also like this, make sure to share it on your Instagram. Take a quick screenshot wherever you're listening and we will be sure to repost it. And without further ado, I'm so excited to introduce you to our guest of the show, Dan Callahan. And this is going to be a quick episode, but I highly recommend you get a pen and paper or write it down or save this for another time. Send it to a friend. Super, super helpful. There's a ton of tangible tips and tricks. Like we pulled out the calculator. We were writing things down. I went through this and listened to it again. Highly recommend making sure that you are taking note if you are trying to save or invest and it, it doesn't really matter where on the spectrum of finance you fall, whether you're uncomfortable and you're new to this, or if you are confident and you already have some savings, you will absolutely learn something new today. Introducing our guest of the show, Dan Callahan. Welcome to Hotter Than Health. Well, Dan, welcome to the Hotter Than Health podcast. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Of course. Been a long time coming. Well, actually, you have just been gracious with your time. I'm kind of <laughs> brought it to you last week. <laughs> no, this is good. I, um, I love doing this stuff. So I've done like little mini seminars and things like that, but this is, uh, this is fun. I remember you, it was during the middle of the pandemic and it was when I really first saw you use your platform to educate a, a bigger audience when you started talking about the Robin Hood <laughs> and uh, like the Robin Hood gate yeah. <laughs> that happened. And we can get into that if we want to, but before we get into the entire <laughs> episode, what Give us your credentials. Give us a little bit of your backstory. How'd you get into this? And yeah. where are you now? No problem. So um, I have been doing financial planning in some form or fashion since I got out of school in uh, 2010. I've been in what's kind of known as like the fiduciary fee-only world. So I don't sell insurance. I don't sell, I don't sell things to people. Uh, I literally provide advice. We manage money and we do financial planning, tax planning, estate planning. So it's kind of unique. So our, our clients are the only people that compensate us. We don't get commissions or kickbacks, which is like super common in our industry. So that's why clients love working with us. They know they're going to get kind of an unbiased, conflict-free advice from us. It doesn't matter what it's about. Mm -hmm. um, I started with a small firm in Mount Pleasant, moved to another firm uh, just down the street from here for about five years. And then in 2019, kind of took the leap and partnered with uh, my current business partner and we started our own company. Mm -hmm. So that's where we are, uh, you know, as of now. Um, credential wise, I am a chartered financial analyst, which took four years, three really hard exams. It's like 300 hours of study each year. So um, that was, yeah, <laughs> that was like a tough four years of life, but it's, you know, I'm so glad I did it. Opened a lot of doors for me. Um, mm -hmm. And then my business partner is a certified financial planner. Mm -hmm. And most of the other advisors in our company are also certified financial planners. All right, and to put it out there, I'm I'm giving zero advice. This is not advice. Do not take my <laughs> advice. You can give advice. You are allowed to give advice, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's just right. making yep. sure. Yep. Okay. So this 
this brings me to my first initial question and topic that I want to cover is there are more people than I can count. Anyone that I talk to, they just have no idea where to start. Like, mm-hmm. what the fuck do I do with my money? Mm-hmm. Or I don't really have any money. Maybe they're living paycheck to paycheck, but they want to save even just 3% at first, something just to get their foot in the door. When you're working with clients, it sounds like you're working with people who, who know what they're talking about typically, and they want some advice on how to handle it mm-hmm. or how to optimize it. But I want to dumb this down today. I yep. really want to dumb it down for anyone who is embarrassed to ask questions or genuinely just has no idea what questions to ask. Mm-hmm. First question would be, when you're in your mid-20s, you have recently graduated college. A lot of us are facing student debt. I, I feel fortunate that I am not right now. So this is just what I've heard. But people are paying off, you know, a minimum every month and then potentially pay it off in what, 20 years? Right. So talk to us about what are some first steps and what is the mindset of someone who's coming out of college with let's say fifty thousand dollars in student debt? What is that approach? Is it better to just pay off a little every month? Or is it you know, are there financial plans that you can be on? What is it like to Try and save, try and pay off your student loans, all of these things. Like, what's the first approach? Yeah. So, great question. And this is something we work on with, a cl- with our clients all the time. Um, so, for me, everything with advice and like how to approach these things always starts with that person's specific goals and like how they live their life and what's important to them. So, looking at like two examples, if you have like the, the doctor who's fresh out of med school and probably has like really significant student loans. It can be pretty intimidating, like seeing that number on paper, having you know been in school for you know eight plus years potentially, and then coming out and you have this great salary, but it's like almost all of it has to start going to debt reduction, right? So for like someone who's really debt averse, we'll put together like a more aggressive plan to attack the debt and get them out in you know a really short period of time. And debt averse, as in they really want to be out of debt. Yeah, like really debt averse, like they don't even like having a mortgage. They hate debt. They don't ever want to have credit card debt. Um, Got it. I tend to find there's like two different camps with people. Some people just really hate debt of any kind. And then other people are, you know, much more comfortable with it and will use it to their advantage. Like we see now with interest rates being really low, people will, you know, intentionally take out a larger mortgage and kind of use that to their advantage. Uh, things like that. Mm-hmm. So for a debt-averse person, we'll put a plan together to really attack it aggressively and kind of let them know, you know, you're not going to be miserable for three or four years while you do this, but you know, it's going to be a very modest lifestyle just until that debt is paid off and kind of put a spending plan together for how to actually do that. Like how many hundreds of dollars a month go towards student loans, go towards rent or your mortgage, mm-hmm. living expenses, things okay. like that. So we don't like our firm in particular, I don't come in and like look at their statement and say, oh, you went to Starbucks today. Like, don't do that. We don't yeah. like go that granular. But we try to set up an expectation of like, okay, you get your paycheck on this date. Let's automate as much of that as possible. So automate your 401k, automate what goes towards your student loans and any other debt you have. And just put that on autopilot as quickly as possible. And then throughout the year, try to make adjustments whenever you can. Got it. That's one example. So mm-hmm. someone who's coming out of the coming out fresh out of school, but with probably a six-figure salary, right? right? But you have multiple six figures of debt, of course. Let me put another scenario out there. This is a lot of people in the health and wellness industry, Mm -hmm. myself. This is, you know, my boyfriend who owns his own company now who, you know, has to deal with not having insurance paid for by their company. They don't have a 401k to be matched. They don't have benefits, nothing. It's all on your own. Let's say you're coming out of school or, or let's say you're in your late 20s. Like I'm just using me and my demographic for an example. You're 28, 29. You've got $20,000 in debt and you don't have a 401k. Mm-hmm. Your savings account is like, I don't know. It, it could range anywhere from $500 and that's really good right. or $10,000, $20,000, but you have this debt. Where do you start with being someone who doesn't have any other means of income other than what you're creating yourself. Like you don't have any assistance and you have to figure out everything on your own. Like that's terrifying. Yeah, I feel like no, it is, especially uh, if you're a creative and like my brain just doesn't operate like that, you know? <laughs> right. So it, it feels like a wall. Yeah. I, I get that. And I'm a little unique. Like, even though this is what I do for a living, I've also never worked for a company that has health insurance. I've never worked for a company that even has a 401k plan. Cause I, I've always been with small companies up to this point. Perfect. Uh, 
current company included. <laughs> so I've, I've had to do this myself and also help clients do it as well. So, you know, from that perspective, I think you just have to, you have to really focus on, I always drill down to like, I look at everything on a monthly scope. So, you know, just make it as simple as possible. What's coming in every month and what's going out. Try to massage the numbers as much as possible. So with, with student loans, people have a lot of options there. Like if you have student loans, if they're federal student loans, there's several ways to pay those back. There's different kind of structures. There's income-based structures. Um, I'm far from like a student loan expert, but there's a lot of different ways and it gets a little complex of how you can pay those loans back and it changes your payments. Mm. So if you're in a place where like cash flow is really tight, if you're in your 20s and you're starting a business and you don't have a ton of money um, and you have student loans, then you know those things can be advantageous because it's less of your money going to the loans every month for that period of time because it's tied to your income. Um, you can refinance them. So like right now, interest rates have been really low for the last few years. A lot of people have refinanced their student loans to be at like 2% or 3%, which is really, really good. What were they before? 6 7 8%, depending on the type of loan. Got it. So that's, that right there not only lowers your monthly payment, but cuts the amount of interest you pay over the life of the loan by a really significant amount in most cases. All right. So that might all sound so simple. Like, right. oh my gosh, just re- <laughs> refinance. What are we doing? Right. Like, just hop off this podcast to go refinance your student loans yep. or your credit card or whatever. But what's the first step to doing that? Do you call your school? Do you call the bank that gave you the loan and say, hello, excuse me, I'd like to refinance? Great question. Um, so like logistically, um, you can even Google it. There's, and I can provide yeah, links for like show notes if you have those. Um, there's, there's sites out there where you can kind of type in some basic info about your loan and they'll give you quotes from like 15 different providers of the different length. Because there's a lot of decisions, right? There's like, how much do you refinance? What time frame do you refinance into? So if you do like five years, you're going to have a really big payment every month. If you stretch it out to like 15 or 20, you're going to have a really small payment. Yeah. And that's where those decisions are kind of personal to the, to the person doing it, right? Because some people are like, hey, I want to knock this out really quickly. Let's do the five-year plan. Other people might say, hey, I, you know, I'm trying to start a business. I'm trying to save some money and at least have some kind of emergency fund. So I want my payment to be really small right now. Um, so you make those types of decisions, but those websites help a lot. They do okay. most of the legwork. Um, so literally just Google it, just Google it. Yeah. And, and there's, there's good websites, like there's blogs out there where people, it's their full-time job kind of helping people make these decisions. Yeah. So I lean on a lot of information like that as okay. well. Yeah. So that's dealing with some of the debt, whether mm-hmm. it's credit card debt, student loans, all that. And, yep. you know, obviously we want to get that knocked out, but that is a longer term plan. Speaking of longer term plans, let's say we have a hundred bucks and that hundred bucks has just been sitting there right now. If you have a savings account, just any random regular savings account, that money's not growing, is it? So it's just sitting there. Yeah. It's, it's zero and it's really losing money with inflation. (laughs) If it sits there for any reasonable period of time. Okay. Yeah. That is, can you explain what is going on in, with inflation? Because a lot of people aren't really understanding why some businesses have had to raise their prices, why a lot of services have had to raise their prices. Let's talk about what has happened with inflation in two years and how can you can you really dumb that down to us? Because I'm yeah. kind of just figuring this all out. Yeah. So, you know, for starters, like what is inflation, right? So really easy way to just think about that is like you go to the grocery store and, and there's all different types of inflation. But the easiest one to think of is like you buy some milk. It was $2 last week and now it's $2.50, right? That's a pretty big increase percentage wise. You start stretching that out around all the groceries you buy, and all of a sudden, your $50 trip to the store might cost $75. And that's not super sustainable for a lot of folks. So that's the idea of inflation, particularly like here in Charleston, for example, with like food and Bev. I think what we're finding is one of the ripple effects of COVID was it actually gave a lot of kind of what I would call negotiating power to people with these types of jobs where I would say like they're not the most glamorous jobs, right? You know, food and Bev, a lot of like, being a dishwasher server. And, you know, I did that for like 10 years of my life. So I could talk about that forever. But like, you know, it's not the most fun job in the world. It's good money, but it's really hard work. Uh, A lot of those people have a lot of other options now, right? They can drive for Uber. They can, you know, do a lot of different digital things at home to make money. Um, They have a lot of options that they didn't have five years ago. And COVID put that in fast forward. So now all of a sudden, all these restaurant owners, they have to do something to get people to come in and work at the restaurants, right? 
And even like the nicer ish restaurants, you'll see like the closed signs and, you know, we're only open two days a week. And it's because they either can't afford the higher wages or they, you know, or they won't. And there's a lot of personal decision making there, but it affects their margins as restaurant mm-hmm. owners. And then that kind of ripple effect just snowballs. Mm-hmm. So that's what you're seeing in like the food and bev industry. So basically when, when we're seeing, let's say, I'm just trying to think, okay, so let's say when, when stimulus checks went out and mm-hmm. we saw all these people getting checks for like 12, I don't remember what it was, but yeah. like $1,200, everyone in the country got $1,200 in their banking account. Right. We're all thinking, oh my gosh, free money. That's great. But it, um, it makes the value of a dollar go down. Right. So it, it's almost, there's more quantity, but it's less quality. So now that $1,200 is actually the equivalent of what it would have been you know, maybe a thousand dollars last right. two years ago. Right. Right. So yep. we're all thinking, yeah, we have all this money. That's great. But at the end of the day, shit costs more. Yep. It's like a, it's, a latte is $8. And it costs more to move shit from one place to another. Right. I mm-hmm. mean, that's what you're seeing. Like if you order furniture right now, it's, you know, you're, we're in my office right now. I ordered furniture in September. That's still not here. Yeah. And you know, we're not talking about like nice furniture. <laughs> this no. is like Ikea kind of stuff, but I mean, yeah, it's still not here. So that's the kind of stuff you're seeing as well. So then companies have to pay more to ship things on time. And if they're, you know, it's just this constant ripple effect that people want to be paid more, things cost more, um, and companies will obviously kind of push back on that as much as they can until they're sort of forced to, to give into it. Yeah. It makes me think about what the world is going to be like in five years. I think we're going to have to get creative. And yeah. that's what people have been doing, but with a sense of, frustration as well because it's 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 this um i'm gonna put a little health spin on this when you are having let's say twins you're pregnant you're having a baby some people experience what's called gestational diabetes Mm -hmm. it's temporary it happens when you are pregnant and it's because the placenta is growing like this placenta hormones are growing so fast that your body can't keep up with it so it's like writing checks your body can't cash Mm -hmm. right now so What's happening is that this is in an accelerated state, so your body can't keep up. And that's kind of, I feel like, what happened two years ago when it was just shoved down our throats that we all had to get creative and figure some shit out, Mm -hmm. you know, that, you know, we're never going to go back to how it was. I don't, I don't think we're ever going to go back to how it was. I agree hundred percent. Um, and there's certain areas too, like, I don't want it to. Yeah, I don't want it to either. Um, I think some of the positives of COVID were like, you know, like I get to see my son a lot, right? Like I have an office, but I get to be home and work from home when I need to. Like that was non-existent for me three years ago. I mean, I was in an office from 8 a.m. until 6 p.m. every single day during the week at minimum. Mm -hmm. Um, There was no like running home for lunch or letting the dog out or like being with, you know, Kingston during the mornings. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's like specific to my world. But it's happening everywhere. Yeah. So you're seeing empty offices. You're seeing people getting used to the lifestyle that we have now um, and adapting to it. And they're not going to go back. There's this subculture or a population that really, really believes that if we just stick this out, stay inside, cover up, stay, quote unquote, safe, that things will go back to normal. Mm-hmm. But the reality check is that it won't. And, yeah. and let's just like we are made to evolve. So let's just do that. All right, back to money. I want to know, let's just say, okay, you're given a gift of $500. What would you do with that $500 if you wanted that 500 if you could do without it? You didn't have to like right. pay your, right. I don't know, your rent. Your debt's paid off. You, you have enough in savings. Like you want this money to grow. Yeah, you have the luxury of saying, okay, I can ignore this money for 10 years. Yep. What are you saying to this person who has $500? Where am I putting it? What am I doing with it? And how much can I expect? What can I expect it to look like in 10 years? Yeah. So I would tell them, you know, 10 years plus, you can, you can invest it pretty aggressively. And now there's so much technology out there that this person can open an account and probably have that money invested within, you know, 10 minutes. I mean, that's how quick it is now. And there's... It's true institutions out there where you can literally sign up, open an account, you link your bank account, the $500 goes to this new account from your bank account, and they will automatically invest it for you in a diverse portfolio of stocks. In this case, if your horizon is 10 years, you could be more aggressive. And you can expect somewhere, you know, historically, the stock market returns, you know, eight to 9% annualized. 
basically just think of that as like your money earning 8% year after year. That's obviously not how it actually works in real life. You might have one year that's up 20 or 30% and another year that's down 20 or 30. But the overall average. But the overall average, 8 to 9% if it's like in the stock market, essentially. Yeah, that's what his uh, historical data kind of shows us. So numerically, I know we don't have calculators in front of us. Um, What would that look like in... I wish we had this on YouTube so that we could see you actually reach for your calculator. <laughs> so, okay, $500. And this is, if you're listening and you are 18, 19, 20, and you can you can hawk a pair of your golden gooses or you can fucking drive for Uber aggressively for one weekend mm-hmm. and invest all of that money. So, by the way, you're not spending money on drinking. You're not spending money on anything. Right. You're just get $500. And in 10 years, if you ignore that money completely, by the time you're 30, you can have a down payment on a house maybe. Oh, absolutely. So what would that look like? Even in our simple example, $500 invested over 10 years with, and and we assume 8%, you've got uh, $1,079, right? So it more than doubled, Mm -hmm. um, which makes sense because there's kind of some rules of thumb we use on like how often your money should double. But how often yeah. should your money double? Um, it, it depends. In ten years, you only you have a thousand dollars. Yes, in ten years at eight percent annualized. One thousand dollars. One thousand and seventy nine dollars. Okay, okay, okay. From five hundred. From five hundred. Yeah. Okay, so and the think money about doubled. it. You put it in there, and you didn't do any. You don't do anything. There's no hard work to do that, right? Yeah. You just let the markets work for you. Stocks pay dividends. Bonds pay interest. Those things reinvest within themselves. It's compound interest, right? Mm-hmm. Like, is it Albert Einstein or someone who said it's like, you know, the miracle of comp? There's some quote about how the miracle of compound I of just, compounding is just like. <laughs> I said this on my last podcast. It was Warren Buffett. Okay. <laughs> it was yeah. Warren- was, well, he's was, like the king of compounding. Right. right. So it's so, little things. Okay. That idea is obviously just with a smallish amount of 500. You know, if you do that somewhat regularly, um, the rule of compounding continues to be in your favor as the portfolio gets larger, right? Yeah. So that idea just becomes so powerful once you're looking at, you know, $1,000 and then $2,000 and then $5,000 and yeah. so on. Yeah. Okay. So that's what you would do. It's like free money, basically, if you're just patient. If, right? Yeah. You have to take a long-term approach. So like, and it's funny, I just, um, I have a really cool graph with this of like how the stock market performs on various time frames, but like on any given one day in the market, it's basically a coin flip of like if it'll go up or down, right? Mm-hmm. And then if you look at like 10 days, it gets a little more in your favor. And then if you look at a year and five years, and essentially after 10 years, uh, historically at any rolling 10-year period, it's almost a guarantee that you make money. Mm-hmm. So if you can have that long-term time frame, then it helps tremendously. Um, and it you know helps take away the risk because there's just such low probability of losing money over those longer yeah. time frames because companies adapt companies companies have earnings they you know the market decides which companies are you know doing well and which aren't and how to invest those and those are all things that happen in the market and inside these funds where this person doesn't have to like do that themselves okay it's set it and forget it essentially so you have this $500 and let's say you can you explain what is an index fund that's mm-hmm. I actually want your advice on this one. So yeah. real life. Yeah. I have a sum of money and it has been sitting in my bank account and I just look at it and I'm like, oh, safety net. And right now I'm thinking, what the fuck am I doing? With? <laughs> like, why am yeah. I doing this? I need to take at least 70% of that and make it grow. I take 70% and I've put it in an index fund. So okay. S&P 500. Perfect. So I want to use that essentially as my savings account. So not, I wouldn't, I, not my whole savings, right. not all my okay. savings, but it doesn't make sense for me to have that sum of money just sitting in a non-growth anything, right. like just sitting there under my mattress. I would say for anybody, like what, number one is having that safety net, like you just said, like whatever that number is, and it's so different for every, for each person. But for like, me, it's like having at least three months of perfect. non, uh, I, I can support myself for three months with no income. Yep. That's. That's all it if is. If COVID happens and there's some shutdown and no one does anything for three months, like you've got your rent paid, you've got your bills, you've got the essentials money. are covered. Yes, perfect. Okay, so let's say that. Let's say you've got your three months, you've got that number. You look at the bank account, you're like, okay, cool, I feel safe, peace of mind. Extra money, I love the idea of just like a low cost index fund. And if it's a smaller amount, then you literally can just do like an S and P 500 or something like Which that. Which is what? So your example, S and P 500, is literally a basket of 500 of the largest stocks in the U.S. And instead of you having to go out and buy 500 different 
pieces of stock, essentially, which would take forever. You just buy this index fund, which takes two seconds of your life, and you own little slivers of all 500 of those companies. As we know, the world is starting to open back up again. We are traveling, we're moving around, we're shaking, we're grooving, we're, we're getting all over the place. And the one thing that I can say has remained a steady, steady factor in my morning routine has been the greens powder from Organifi. All right. So the greens powder has traveled with me. It just came to the mountains with me. It came to Boston with me. It's going to come to Istanbul with me later on in the year. This is a non-negotiable for me. And they just made it extra easy with the packets. So they made the green juice available in these little packets. So you travel with them on a plane, you give them to your kids. They're super fun. You give them to your friend. They're super hungover. And you're like, Hey, just make sure you're getting your adaptogens, especially when your friends are hungover or you're hungover and you recognize that the stress is a little bit worse. The anxiety is a little bit worse when you are hungover and the adaptogens within the green juice powder, the Moringa, the ashwagandha is amazing for helping your nervous system regulate a little bit more effectively. So if you run a little anxious or stressed similarly to me, then this is a game changing addition to your morning routine. Make sure you check out Organifi.com slash HTH for 20% off. This is a better deal than you're going to get anywhere on the website. So again, if you want to get that discount for 20% off of any of your items on Organifi.com, check out the green juice powder and the protein since it has the digestive enzyme in it, which I am obsessed with. Use the code HTH, that's Organifi.com slash HTH, and you can check out all of their amazing products online. Thank you so much again for being a sponsor of the show. There's honestly nothing more important than taking care of yourself because if you're not feeling your best, you can't be your best. Sambucol helps you feel your best with very powerful immune support powered by nature's superfruit, black elderberry. I recently went to the mountains and last weekend in the mountains, the wind chill was about nine degrees. Overall temperature outside was about 12, and then coming back into Charleston, it was going to be anywhere from 60 to 70 degrees. With all of the weather whip flash, I knew that I wanted to make sure I was bolstering my immunity and making sure that I was doing my best to prevent any type of recovery time that I would have needed. I didn't have any time to not feel great this past week. I had a busy week coming up. So all I did was took a couple of these tablets with me. I took the gummies with me on the trip. I did one or two per day. Honestly, I did more just because they taste good. And then at night, I would do one of the Sambucol effervescent tablets. I would throw it in some hot water and sip it kind of like tea. I would also sometimes do that with the drink powder. Again, it's powerful immune support coming from the antioxidants from black elderberry. There are so many health benefits to this supplement. So for a limited time, you can get 15% off of your next order of $9.99 or more at SambucolUSA.com. That's S-A-M-B-U-C-O-L-U-S-A. SambucallUSA.com. You can get 15% off of your next order of $9.99 or more using the code HOTTER15. That is HOTTER15 for 15% off of your next order of $9.99. Highly recommend the gummies and the effervescent tablets. So easy to travel with and so great tasting. I'm obsessed, especially if you have kids in the house. And with the, the winter season happening and being among us, nobody has time to not feel amazing. So Sambucall USA say.com use the code hotter 15 for 15 off of your next purchase but it's the top 500 companies right so yeah. if one is like by has a really cap. shitty yeah so if one has a really shitty month it will be replaced by one that did better um, basically yeah or- it doesn't happen that often but yes they reconstitute so like tesla is a good example like a few years ago tesla was not in the s&p 500 obviously that company is enormous now. They have been constituted into the index. So that means they get in, someone else gets booted out from the bottom who is not as big. Mm-hmm. Um, so they want to just keep the top 500 companies, basically. Yeah, yeah. So what those would be, and the reason I like it is because genuinely, and this is just a novice speaking, it made me feel more comfortable that I recognized a lot of the names. I yeah. recognized a lot of like Nike or yeah. Apple, Apple, Lululemon. Nike, Coca-Cola, right? Like Everyone knows most of the names, at least in like the top part of the S&P 500. Yeah. Johnson & Johnson, right? It's like the stuff you see at the grocery store. It's the cars you see on the road. It's, you know, all that good stuff. Honestly, Warren Buffett literally said like when his 
inheritors get their money, like he's going to tell them, you don't have to do anything fancy, no hedge funds, no private equity, like 90% S&P 500, 10% bonds. That's it. You can, use two, you can do that in, with two funds. I mean, it's so simple. So basically, um, 10% is really aggressive. 90% is aggressive oh. in the stocks. 10% bonds are considered safer. Like cash? Um, yeah, essentially. Yeah. Okay. So bonds are like company borrows money and pays you interest for okay. the right to borrow the money, and then they pay you back the money in full. So okay. Okay. you give me $100, I give you you know, a dollar a year for the 10 years, and then I give you the $100 back afterwards. Got it. That, okay. That's the idea. So that's a safe part of your portfolio, but you can literally buy an index fund that does that too. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Warren Buffett literally will tell his inheritors to do that, which is kind of insane because of the amount of money that they'll <laughs> inherit. But like, that's how powerful it is to just hold like two index funds. The power of consistency. It's yeah. like anyone I'm working with who wants to lose weight, I, they're like, I got on the scale today. I'm like, you got on the scale yesterday. And they're like, I'm going to get on the scale tomorrow. So if you're getting on the scale it's, every single day, the minutia will just crush you. The, it's, but, there's so many parallels to that and investing. I mean, it's like, that's such a good example. If you're watching CNBC every day, if you're checking your account every day and the stock market is going to have a period and you're going to you get crazy. bloated and you're going to retain a lot of water and those numbers aren't really real. And then it will settle yep. back down. Stock and a lot market. of it's arbitrary, right? Like the, the media loves looking at like current year numbers, year to date. So it's January, what, like 18th. So we're 18 days into a year, even though the market was up, you know, 30% last year in this year, which is really 17 days, it's down, you know, 6% and people are like freaking out. Right. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, all you have to do is look at it on the scope of it's basically just gone up every year for the last 10 years. I mean, we've been in this incredible bull market, but even just like the slightest bit of people checking every day and looking at the news and seeing a couple bad days, it's like, they completely forget what it's been like for the last 10 years. It's so, scary. Yeah. It's it, like weighing yourself every day. I mean, there's so many reasons why you could wake up one morning and weigh two four pounds French heavier. French fries. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Drank, you drank some water before you got on the scale. You, I don't know. Like, there's That's why I always reasons. tell people, I'm like, okay, not on your period, not even five days before your period. You've pooped. You just woke <laughs> up and you haven't had water. Like you're fasted right, and you've right. pooped. And that's basically your, yeah. your baseline. It's funny you mention that. There's, there's so many parallels to like successful investing. It's, successful investing is really boring. You'll read stories of people making millions overnight, especially like lately with cryptocurrencies. And like, like there are a million stories out there now of 25-year-olds who have $100 million because they bought some coin three years ago. And yeah. It, you know, went up 5,000%. But for most people, successful investing is really boring and you just keep your costs low, you keep your taxes low and you stay in it for the long run. Drink your water, eat your vegetables, move your body. And unless there are going to be some extraneous outliers, there are going to be some like thyroid issues. There's going to be some, you're not sleeping, your cortisol levels are spiked, but in an average, it's the same thing with relationships too. Typically we want to go for a little bit more volatility. Mm -hmm. We're like, oh my God, so much passion or (laughs) so much anger and aggression. But then like the sex is really good. And so we just think these highs and lows are the norm, but a healthy functional relationship, boring is not the right word, but it can be consistent. Yeah. It's not the stuff you see on Instagram every day. It's like, yeah, yeah. It's all the background noise, right. That you don't see. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, and so that's one part of what's going on in the world is basically the stuff that is boring but it's simple to do and mm-hmm. it's proven time and time again yeah now i have gone down a little bit of a wormhole with nfts i haven't purchased Ooh. any i haven't done anything i honestly essentially this morning 45 minutes before i came into this interview it, i learned what it was yeah and i think that it is so interesting just because so I was listening to an interview with Steve Aoki. Mm-hmm. He's huge into NFTs, mm-hmm. creatives, music, art. And he compared it to just having, um, which is, they're called non-fungible tokens. tokens. Yep. And it's crypto in the crypto world. So basically you're buying a piece of, let's say, online art, mm-hmm. but it's not like you're hanging it in your office. It's not right. like you have it in your physical pocket, right. but it's in this online wallet. What are your thoughts on NFTs? Do you have any info on that? Do you like, could you explain that and dumb it down? Yeah, I'll do my best. I'm because I'm just I quoting not, Steve Aoki. I'm by far. Yeah. And <laughs> he probably knows more about this than I do. Um, I, you know, I know cryptocurrencies and I know the ideas of NFTs. I'm by f- I'm far from an expert. So I'll give you my best take. But essentially, I think it all kind of goes back to this idea of like 
the metaverse is, I guess we're coining it or like web three, but yeah. It's okay. This, meta, even dumb that down metaverse, yeah. you know how they changed Facebook right. to be called meta. Right. So, so it's basically just this online world. Yeah. It's literally, it's this, it's kind of like taking everything we're doing in real life and kind of moving it online in a sense of like the way you interact with people and the way now that you like interact with like products and services. That's where like the NFTs kind of come into play of like owning these things and having actual ownership of it. You know, someone can screenshot it or whatever, but like you, you own it and there is a code online in kind of an open source format that proves that you own it. Mm-hmm. Um, but people can buy little bits of it or no, uh, or you can just sell it for more as the, va- yeah. but how does the value go up? So that's debatable as well. I mean, so like one theory I hear a lot on this is like the, so, so obviously the, like the board apes and like those ones, there's just like a scarcity aspect and it's obviously like popular. So it's just really taking advantage of that. The theory I get a lot is like the utility factor of some of these things where like, okay, so you, because at some point, you know, so much money's been made in crypto that a lot of these guys try to just like, like they don't want to sell their crypto. They don't want to sell their Bitcoin that's up, you know, 30,000% and just like buy boring stocks or bonds or even like a house. They want to keep it in like the digital world. So that's why NFTs kind of boomed in popularity, in my opinion, at least. And besides the really popular ones, for it to actually be proven, there has to be this like sense of utility where like someone buys it and they feel like they're getting something for it. They're like part of a community or they're like earning. It, it matters. It, it, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, um, but is the value coming from just how much people are talking about it within that crypto community, basically? I, essentially. So let me that's ask my you. best guess right now. Like some of these just kind of become very popular on like Reddit and Discord uh-huh. and like these little communities. And that I literally have not heard about until this morning. Yeah. Like I. I saw someone posting it on Instagram, someone who I trust, who mm-hmm. is, I trust, I don't even know this person, but I've followed for a long time and they're very much in the health and wellness space. Right. They're completely have never spoken about NFTs mm-hmm. or crypto or Bitcoin, never talked about any of that. And then all of a sudden they post this beautiful piece of art and they were like, I just love supporting artists like this. So I definitely understand, you know, you hear a song that, you can buy as an NFT Mm -hmm. or you see a piece of art, I guess you just go on to that platform and you bid for it or you try and buy it fully and then hope that it gets more popular if you're trying to sell. That's the idea. Or Um, you're just like an art collector, you know, but it's just hard for me because you give me $500. I would rather buy a Louis Vuitton (laughs) or a a infrared sauna bag because I can hold it. Right. But is the whole appeal just that it's a whole new world of value and communication that we can't touch or hold or see. I think so. And it's, I think it's hard to even like understand it. And I certainly don't to the full extent, but yeah, it's, it's this fact of proven ownership in the same way that like hanging a piece of art in your home is, but it's like the digital version of it. And you have this code and it's like, it's public knowledge that this belongs to you. And well, if you think about it, when you put money into the stock market, you're not physically getting anything out of it. Right. I guess if you had explained the stock market to someone 20 years ago, 30 years ago, they would have been like, no fucking way. Oh, sure. You sure. Know, same as buying things online. You go through PayPal and you're like, but I can't see my money. No way. And there's the barriers to entry too. Like buying a stock 50 years ago was very difficult, right? You had to like go call a broker and pay a ridiculous commission to have someone paper write a ticket and like yeah i mean even worse than that like like normal people couldn't really like buy stocks years ago that's why like these mutual funds got created and now index funds and etfs i think we're so early in this stage i mean i don't know if you bought your nft no i haven't but i'm sure you'll find out that like the process to buy it is not the easiest thing in the world even it will be and it's gotten improved but like a year ago, if you tried to buy an NFT, it's very difficult. Like the average person probably can't do it. Well, so think about it like this. I am interested in NFTs and I want to learn more about it, mm-hmm. but only the same way I would be with stocks and putting things into the S&P 500, I would want to buy things that are relevant to me. So uh, like new health tech, mm-hmm. so blood glucose monitors, all those kinds of companies. Right. I would want to buy NFTs that were representative of, you know, body shapes and really pretty art that I actually like mm-hmm. so that I would follow it more. I'm not going to follow a picture of like all the ones that I've seen online are 
genuinely pictures pictures of like a monkey holding yeah. a time bomb yeah. or a with like a, melted paint and the most yeah. random <laughs> shit I've ever seen yeah. or a literal rainbow yep. and I just think should I be painting and then saying hello someone NFT it's, this it's so confusing to me but it's so it's interesting it's the wild west right now I mean there's no real like regulation for it. There's no, I mean, there's certain providers that are like OpenSea is a platform that is probably like the best place to go to That's buy. That's what I heard about. They're good and like reputable-ish, you know, like as much as you can be reputable in that space, but it's just so early. But this space is going to look completely different in five, 10, 15 years. I mean. Do you think it's going away? I don't. Um, I, th- I honestly, it's hard to imagine what it'll even really look like. This it, is because just it's like, literally the unimaginable. We're in the it's, bottom of the first inning. I don't even know if we're there yet. That's how early we are. So, in my opinion, that's that's what's intriguing to me is because if I asked, if I knew what I knew now, for three years ago, I would have bought a Bitcoin. I would have bought a whole thing. I would have spent oh. all my money on a Bitcoin, and I would have been absolutely. See you later. I'm buying an island. Yeah. <laughs> but now I think. We're at that space where maybe we should be taking a little bit of a risk and an advantage to, I mean, obviously there's a risk anytime you're putting your money anywhere. Right. But. And with crypto, there's a lot of, so we're in like kind of a little bear market for crypto right now. Mm-hmm. Like everything's pretty much just been going down for the last four months. Um, so oh. there's a lot of speculation in that space, right? It's still, like I said, it's kind of the wild west still. There's not a ton of regulation. Anything you put into crypto, you almost have to just assume it could easily, it could go down 80% overnight i mean that's how risky this stuff is so i want to talk to you about your risk Mm -hmm. you have a kid Mm -hmm. you have (laughs) kingston and he's a absolute i was gonna say angel he's (laughs) so hilarious and adorable precious amazing has so much swag you also have a fiance Mm -hmm. you have a home you have your own business you have a lot to lose you but you're smart i'm not concerned about that but there is it's high risk because you have a lot to provide and I want to know, would you buy crypto right now if you knew that it was a bull market, it was a good time to buy mm-hmm. in crypto or Bitcoin or I don't even know what, where we would start with that. But would you, have you, and where should we if we want to? Yeah. So um, personally, so yeah, I, I do have a lot of those risks. Um, my personality, like, and I think any business owners out there or entrepreneurs will understand like I you have to take a lot of risks to like get to where you want to go right so like when I quit my job I had really like no savings like I already had no health insurance no real retirement plan I basically just like increased my credit limits on my credit cards I had a little bit of savings and I was just like all right let's do it and that was like we knew Kingston was coming it was probably like the riskiest thing I've ever done like and you did it while Taylor was pregnant while Taylor was pregnant um who, by the way, you guys, Taylor's yeah. going to be on the podcast in a couple of weeks as well. Um, so yeah, Taylor was pregnant. I had like, you know, it was like a job with a salary and like, quote unquote, benefits. Um, it was like the safe choice, I would say. And I still just, it wasn't doing it for me. So what wasn't doing it for you? It was just like the culture and the day to day. Just like, I couldn't imagine doing that for the rest of my life. <laughs> um, so I knew I always wanted to like start my own company, but you do have to take those risks, right? Like, no one quits their job and magically has like 12 months of savings and all the money in the world to like start the company with, right? So I you know, started with zero, like worked my butt off to, to build it. And it obviously, you know, takes time to do that. Um, but yeah, like a lot of people, I think just don't have the stomach for that. So yeah. I would say like, trust your instinct on that. Trust your gut. That kind of bleeds into like the cryptocurrency thing. So if you're not a person that's like super comfortable with risk, then maybe it's just a place to avoid or like, yeah, you know, very cautiously enter with very small amounts. But I would literally say any dollar you put into that world, you have to be okay losing it entirely. Mm-hmm. It, that's where we are risk-wise. Now, obviously there's reward too. Like you could buy that NFT and it could jump up 30% over the weekend, right? Or 300% or 3000%. It's literally the same thing as saying, oh my God, the keto diet worked for this person. I'm going to try yeah. it. And it works. It doesn't work at all right. for you. Exactly. It's the same thing. Exactly. So you just have to understand the risks. Thankfully now, like it's easy to do if you want to do it. So there's like, you can go to Coinbase or you can go to Gemini, which is just basically like a broker for Mm -hmm. cryptocurrencies. And you can go buy Bitcoin if you want. And it's really easy. I think you can do it on like PayPal and like the Cash App. Like it is really easy to get the good, the the big cryptos. If you want to buy something that's like a little more, you know, something that's trading for like fractions of a penny on some weird exchange. Uh, it's a little more difficult. It's literally like a seven-step process. You have to like open a wallet. You have to transfer this to one currency, and then go go to a you know swap and swap it for this currency. And 
Yeah. It's scary. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've, I've like watched YouTube videos on people doing this because like years ago, it was really like software people that were the ones that knew how to do this stuff, not like normal everyday people. So it's complicated um, and it's risky, but it is super if it's money that you're okay losing and you're cool with the risks, then yeah. I mean, well, I also want to ask, okay, so this is going back into, back into the safe zone. Mm -hmm. I think that we spent enough time going through the what the fucks of NFTs because <laughs> I truly don't know and I need more information. And I'm actually trying to get someone on the podcast to talk about that. Yeah. Do you have a simple formula or rule of thumb for savings if you're, if you're like, okay, now I need to really start to get my savings back in, uh, back in check. You're trying to build wealth with passive income in some extent. Let's say you have a salary or you're making $70,000 a year and you are wanting to grow your savings account, not look at it until, I don't know, retirement. What, what would be some of the first steps to creating a budget mm -hmm. that one won't stress people out? Right. Yeah. Um, honestly, I, I even like hate the word budget. I never use it with my clients. Like what word do you use? What, how do you explain it? Even just like a cash flow plan or a spending plan. Like I okay. think budget is just such a negative like connotation where people just lack. It's impossible to stick to budgets, right? Like I've never done a budget for myself. Like I can't expect other people to, if I won't even do it. Like it's just hard to like look at your money as like everything down to the penny. I would say like mm -hmm. the most important first step, people refer to this as like, like the 50, 30, 20 rule, but I would say like try to get try to earmark like 20% of your money that's coming in and immediately save it and just put it anywhere. If it's a savings account, great. If it's a brokerage account or whatever, like even better. But if, if you're living paycheck to paycheck, and let's assume you don't have a ton of debt, um, that's like step one. So you know, if you make 100 bucks a week, take $20 of that and just immediately get it out of your site and put it somewhere and automate that so you don't have to actually do it every week. And lifestyles will adapt yeah. to to that without you putting so much pressure on yourself it's like it, literally a diet if you're saying you cannot have this but if it's yep. not around you you don't realize you're not having it it's so much about psychology um I, so in our world especially like people with like psychology majors and people that approach money with that background tend to be really successful because so many of so much of like the decision making process and what we help people with is it, it's more about like human behavior than it is about like actual financials or numbers it's right it's like how people approach things, how they make decisions. Or like how they grew up yeah, around money. That too. Yep. So we'll get like we'll get like the ultra conservative person who, you know, grew up and parents, you know, lived in the same house their entire lives, have never had a mortgage, same car for 30 years. And that's how they approach their money. And they might, you know, they might make they might be really high income, but like they're still gonna be really aggressive savers. They're gonna live in a modest house, drive the modest car. Um, then you got the other end of the spectrum as well, right? So you get the paycheck to paycheck person that's making like 300 grand a year. And you're like, how the, how the hell is that possible? But like, mm -hmm. it is, it's mm -hmm. very possible. Um, so yeah, just start small, take like 10 or 20% of what you're making and just get it out of your site immediately and automate that process. So if that's 20 bucks a week, set up a recurring transfer to your savings account and just make it 20 bucks a week and don't touch that and mm -hmm. just let it happen. For the end of the year, you'll have a good sum in there, and that could be like your little emergency fund. Mm -hmm. Then the next year, you start investing instead of just putting it in a savings account. So mm -hmm. I there's kind of like stepping stones that we look at. I did this. Th we were supposed to have a trip to Mexico um, coming up in March, mm -hmm. but it got canceled, and we knew about it in December. So I, th I kind of did reverse math. I looked at the cost of the rooms, cost of the flight. And I was like, okay, it'll be X amount of money. Right. And I divided that by the number of weeks we had before we went on the trip. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, I can save 50, bu 50 bucks a week. Right. And I, you go on a trip to Mexico. And you approach it like that. And you're like, wait, that's not like, I it was not that, that bad. <laughs> and I, and there were some weeks where I was like, fuck it, let's do 75. And it was, it was not my other savings. You know, I had the safety net, but yep. I, I was like, okay, you can reverse psychology this and mm -hmm. it doesn't seem so bad. It seems a little more digestible. It's exactly right. It's exactly right. Um, speaking of the psychology aspect of it. There are a lot of people who are maybe raised around lack mentality mm -hmm. or struggle mentality. And there are a lot of people who have never had to think about money. So it was never a stressor. Right. And, and some people really do have a tough relationship with money. I've definitely had to reframe a lot. What is that like? And what would you say to someone who is struggling with a lack mentality of, I can't save or I'm living paycheck to paycheck. Right. and 
things aren't coming in, what would you recommend another stream of income? Or like, what if you don't have time? What if you have two kids, you know? I would say like setting the appropriate goals is the most important part. So like, don't, if you have like a tough history and relationship with money, don't wake up one day on January 1st and say like, all right, I'm going to immediately start having this like ridiculously aggressive savings goal of like, I'm going to save half my income because we know that's just not possible, right? Start small and build the habits. And then once you've built the habits, they won't go away. Again, back to like the fitness thing, right? Like you don't just like go to the gym on January 1st and do a five hour workout and you're like back in shape, right? Like it's very slow, steady. It's the same thing with savings. You just got to like get used to that. And once you get used to it, you will never stop it. And you'll only be like, you'll get so excited. You get a raise or you start making more money. You're like, all right, it means I can save more. That Mm -hmm. doesn't mean I'll go spend more. And then on the other side of that coin, you can't like beat yourself up too much about that stuff, right? Like I tell clients all the time, like if they're being so conservative and they're like aggressive savers and they just refuse to even like get the car fixed, it's going to cost money. Like you have to, you have to like enjoy your life, right? You can't be miserable because of like these savings goals. You have to, you know, go out to eat when you want to go out to eat, buy the cup of coffee, the Starbucks Do things coffee that make is, you happy yeah. and then money literally will gravitate yeah. towards you. It's, like, it's a real thing. The cup of coffee is not what is stopping you from your financial goals, right? It's probably some larger aspect or behavior. Like it's going out every weekend. It's spending 400 bucks at the bars. <laughs> or it's not believing that you're worth a promotion. Yeah. It's not believing yeah. that you're worth uh, a savings account or, or if you put a thousand dollars into a aggressive fund right now, you're immediately thinking, I'm never getting that back. I threw that money in the garbage right, can. But, right. but it's just the patience yeah. of it. Yeah. yeah. It's yep. huge. So yeah, just not beating yourself up too much and starting with like the appropriate goals. I, like I would that. say are like the two most important things. I like that a lot. Yeah. So for, I'm going to put a bunch of these links in the show notes mm-hmm. for everybody. What are some of your favorite resources for someone who's just stepping into the money game? Um, you're talking to me mm-hmm. <laughs> you're talking yeah. to me so there's a couple podcasts i listen to that i listen to religiously and these guys have a few books that cover this exact stuff so it's like very common sense money 101 like i'm out of school what the hell do i do from here um so i'll give you those links mm-hmm. um there's podcasts these guys do podcasts and they have like three or four books out on this stuff and I what think are the it's podcasts like, called clearly these uh, people one of them is called animal spirits okay um the other one's called the compound so it's literally guys talking about this stuff in just like 100% plain English. Um, Some of it's interview style. Some of it's just them back and forth. You know, they talk about markets, you know, lifestyle, investing, like they do uh, mailbag episodes where it's literally everyday people like us mailing in with situations like we're covering here. It's like, Like hey, I just got out of school. I have this much in debt. Uh, I, you know, I'm doing this for my savings. Like, what am I missing? How can I do things better? Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's like a really good place to start for anyone in like their 20s, 30s, 40s. That's like not in retirement yet and looking for ways to improve their financial situation. Love it. Yeah. And then daydream question for you. Yeah. I give you a million dollars. What are you doing with it? Oh, and that's after taxes. After taxes. <laughs> God, I'm such a nerd. Um, oh man, that's so hard. Uh, if I have to like spend it. Like daydreaming. Yeah. Yeah. Probably a really cool snow ski house. I'm watching Yellowstone right now. So I'm obsessed with like of something like that. Yeah. So one of those and then something like on the beach so I can have like the extremes best of both worlds so you would buy two houses yeah okay yeah Yeah. one on like beach you know maybe like Miami or you know even somewhere around here and then something complete opposite like Montana Wyoming Colorado yeah middle of nowhere tons of wildlife so your kid can surf make a margarita and also ride a horse yep I love this this is good stuff okay cool I like that thanks for that yeah Yeah. uh we gotta end it with some dreaminess but thank you so much for your time I'm really excited for this enjoyed it yeah Yeah. and uh we'll get all the links for everything where can everybody find you and your company yeah so my name's Dan Callahan you can find me on uh LinkedIn Twitter my one of my new year's resolutions was to do more content so I'm really hoping to start getting that going (laughs) honestly though i think that hopefully you can find me in more places in the coming months y'all he was just on a really big fat podcast the other day and if you're listening here you probably listen to things like the skinny confidential you probably listen to joe rogan or any of those types it basically was the joe rogan skinny confidential (laughs) of accounting so dan's going places also i really think you should start literally prop your phone up you have such great natural light and just do like anytime you're Right after this, just summarize yeah. what we talked about and put it on there, and that's a reel. You're I'm done. Actively looking for somebody to s- help me start the podcast to like 
do video and audio and someone that I can like co-host with. So I'm actively looking for that. I'm really hoping to start it. And it's going to be like stuff that we just talked about. It's not going to be like financial jargon and like it's going to be common sense, like talk about markets, talking about cryptocurrencies. Like, Oh my God, I wish I had more knowledge. It'd be so fun to co-host with yeah, you. I know. Like it, I don't, I'm trying to find the right person. I don't know if I necessarily want it to be like another financial professional. I I kind of wanted to just be like More one of, of my creative. friends who's like interested in this stuff, but like works in a totally different world. Yeah. So we can have like, you know, different viewpoints. So totally we'll see, but that's one of my resolutions. So I'm hoping that we can get that up and running. At some say point. it out loud. I have a feeling that if you just say it out loud on this podcast, yep. people are going to be like, look, I'm the best co-host for you. If you are interested, message Dan Callahan. And it's just like the name Dan Callahan. Like, <laughs> It's like, a good name. It's a good, it's a strong <laughs> name. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. And, um, We'll have to have you on again. Sounds good. Thank you so much. Thank you again for listening to this week's episode of Hotter Than Health. That was Dan Callahan of Healthy Pockets. I think that's a good name for the episode. I think that's one of my favorites, actually. But either way, if that episode resonated with you, make sure you take a quick screen screenshot and share it to your social media. Tag Hotter Than Health and Eliza G underscore wellness. And like always, leave us a review. It is the best way for people to find the podcast, share it organically. And I'm so thrilled for our episode episode next week and then maybe we'll throw in a solo episode uh, in between then as well but thanks so much and we will talk to you next Thursday